On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the Plaid Model S finally gets delivered into the hands of the first batch of owners, and I was lucky enough to get to be there to experience it. Meanwhile, the Plaid Plus Model S has been canceled. Plus, longtime Tesla executive Jerome Guillen has left the company. Another update on the status of the City Streets full self-driving Beta 9 build and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey, alongside, as always, Daisy the Boxer, and this is Ride the Lightning, episode 306 for June 13th, 2021. There is so much to get to this week. It's going to be a fun one. I've been looking forward to the podcast all week, especially after the Plaid event last night. Talk about that momentarily. But first, a quick programming note. Actually, it's not a programming note. It's a personal note. I wanted to mention to everybody, because so many of you have been so kind over these last months, I wanted to mention... Daisy continues to improve. We had another cardiologist uh, appointment this earlier this week, and the news was good. Her heart size is now down to the high side of normal. Her heart function, meaning her actual heart muscle, is still weak. It's still in a not great place, but it's only been four months, and it has improved. So we just have to keep doing what we're doing with the diet change, with the medication, and hopefully she's going to continue to inch closer to full health. But the doctor said to me, she's no longer, she no longer considers Daisy a short-term risk. You know, there's still the long-term question mark, but for now she continues to improve. So that, I mean, it, it honestly almost moved me to tears in the car when the doctor called me to talk to me. So I that already got my week off to a great start. And then what got my week going even more I mean, Daisy's the most important thing, but sort of the cherry on top is that the Plaid Model S finally arrived this week via the delivery event at the Fremont factory, specifically at the test track, which was just redone, repaved. And I was lucky enough. I actually wasn't invited. I did not hit the invitation lottery on this one. However, listener Eric Norris from Southern California reached out to me, emailed me and said, Hey, uh, he, he was he was assuming that I was going and said, oh, I, I'm 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 looking forward to meeting you at the event. And I wrote him back and I said, well, unfortunately, Eric, I'll have to take a rain check. I was not fortunate enough to get the invite this time. And and he actually was kind enough to make me his plus one. So Eric Norris, thank you very much. Uh, it was great to meet you. Great to spend some time with you and, and kind of go through the event with you. We did some plaid test rides together, which I'll talk about in a second. But uh, it was just, I, I feel so grateful for that opportunity because it really was a fun night. And also, I'm not sure if he'll hear this because once I introduced myself, he was familiar with me, but I didn't, I'm not sure he actively listens and that's okay. Not everybody does, but uh, if he is listening, I want to give a shout out to a gentleman named Dale, who I met in line waiting to get into the event. He was taking delivery that night. He got a call earlier this week that said, hey, do you want to pick up your car at the event? And he came down and he was, he was just shocked. He, the whole time I bumped into him when we got inside later as well, he was just wandering around just with that, that sort of kid-like Christmas morning shock and confusion in the very best of ways. So Dale, if you're out there listening to this, 
I hope you've been enjoying your car. What a memorable delivery experience. He's one of the first 20-something people on the planet outside of Tesla to get the car. So, uh, But it was. It was a really fun event. And, and let's look, just leading up to this, to recap the timeline, the Plaid Model S was formally announced back on January 27th of this year alongside the Model S refresh. Although you could also make the argument that the announcement of the Plaid S really dates back to Battery Day in late September, although that version turned out to be the Plaid Plus because it was advertised as 520 plus miles of range. Now, I'm going to talk more about the Plaid Plus later on in the podcast. If you've already heard the news this week, you know where I'm going with this, but I'll get to that. So anyway, after the orders went up for the vanilla Plaid on January 27th, the car was originally due to begin shipping in March. However, we saw delays, a number of them, a three-month delay in some total, but it is now here. The price actually this week went up by $10,000 from $120,000 base price on the Plaid S to $130,000. I attribute that to either increased material costs, because by the way, the 3 and the Y got another incremental price increase of $500, as they have done several times in the, in the recent months here. But and or I feel like it's it's that and or just higher demand for the plaid than they originally anticipated. So they figured, well, we can get the extra 10K. So let's get the extra 10K. But that's not the fun part. The fun part is being in the car and experiencing the new interior and more to the point of this event, experiencing what it's like to launch from zero to 60 and actually more like zero to 105 in a Plaid Model S on Tesla's test track, nice private track, freshly paved. You had trained drivers from the Tesla team. And I, I got to start there because that's what you want to hear about. What is it like to launch 0-60 to 60 in a Plaid Model S? It's, I will say this. I mean, first of all, it is amazing. And I'm going to tell you why. But I was expecting it to be more violent. And what I mean by that is, that it just completely throws you back in a borderline uncomfortable way. But I did not find it to be that. It really is. It totally reminded me of a like fast, intense roller coaster to the point that, uh, well, A, it pins, it does definitely pin you back in the seat and it just doesn't let up. Like in my car, the Model 3 performance, you get a really fun kick in the gut for a couple seconds, and then it starts to tail off. But the Plaid S, it just keeps pulling. It just keeps going. It doesn't end. And it just is, It I couldn't help but laugh. And, and you'll hear that, actually. I could not help but laugh every single time. I ended up doing the test ride five times because there actually there really weren't that many people at this event, which I attribute to COVID restriction, just health, county, Reasons. I mean, that probably explains why I, well, it may explain why I and plenty of other people uh, did not get an event, uh, an invitation. But yeah, so not too many people there. So I was able to jump in line a few more times and, and I got to do it five times. And the, the test ride drivers that were taking us around the test ride course, uh, there, there's a bank turn. So they took us, it starts, you get in the car where they had you load in. You hook around, you go slow around a, a banked turn to the left, 
and then you pull up, uh, you get to a straightaway, and you stop. And they had a cool thing set up with these lights overhead that went from, you know, kind of mimic the, like, actually going to plaid with the lights. But they would go, it would go from red to yellow to green, and then you launch. And they had a cool, they had a, they had a fog machine there, so it was, there was, you know, that kind of effect. It was a really nice way that they did it up. And you, <laughs> the driver hits the, hits the pedal, and it just, I mean, even watching the cars from the sidelines, they're just, you could see them just rocket by in a hurry. It was crazy how fast those cars were going. And so after the straightaway, which the drivers were getting us up to about 100, 105 miles an hour, it, go, it banks left. So it's an, a, an embankment turn. So it's like raised up, you know, like a proper race course, and nothing you'd find on a public road. And the drivers were taking that bank turn at about 55 miles an hour. And that felt awesome, too. That was like a roller coaster as well. You're just I mean, this was a pretty intense turn. I mean, yes, it was banked, which which certainly helped you do it faster. But it was it was pretty wild. It That felt awesome as well. Uh, and then that's pretty much the end of the course. It's just a quick hot lap. But uh, I want to play my test ride audio for you right now just a quick clip of it like just the launch this is like 25 30 seconds long you may have seen it on twitter already or instagram where i posted it there uh which i'm dmc underscore ryan on either of those if you feel like following me but here is the test ride audio from my one of my launches check this out three two one Oh, man. Oh. Whoa, my Model 3 is ruined forever now. <laughs> wow. Fast. Wow, that was fun. Oh, and, oh, that feels good, too. That's arguably even better. <laughs> oh, that's so good. So that was my first ride. And I, now I'm going to go ahead because these are just too much fun. I'm going to give you my second one, too, because then the second one, I moved to the back seat to feel what it was like in the back seat. And there were two other people in the car with me. One of them was Eric Norris. Uh, and then the other one was uh, was one of the guys from the East Bay, Al, from the Tesla Owners Club East Bay. Shout out to Al. So this is the three of us. And this is the reaction that you almost can't help but have. Listen to this. All right, are you guys ready? Ready. ready. Do it. Oh, 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 the phone like moved like two feet back. Oh, oh that's oh. never gonna get old. It's just never gonna get old. Oh. Oh. I forgot to mention in that first clip towards the end where I'm saying, oh, this part's almost as just as good. That's the bank turn at 55 miles an hour. It's just like you are pinned to the seat again, but the car's not going anywhere. It's completely planted. It feels amazing. What a treat that is. Uh, and, and I'll note too, unlike every other performance Tesla to date, these cars, as Elon said, really could do these launches over and over and over again all night long without losing any perceivable oomph. I mean, it was very, very impressive. And I'm, I'm just, again, so grateful to Eric 
and to Tesla that I got to be there. That was that was a treat. And anybody buying one of these things is <laughs> just be careful. Number one, I mean you, that applies to all of us in any Tesla, but still, it's have fun. It is going to be one heck of a treat. Now, I wanted to mention a couple of other notes about the physical cars themselves before I move on. I'm going to play some clips from Elon's presentation and, and give you some reactions and notes to those before I just keep moving on with the news of the week. Again, there is so much to get to on this week's podcast, but two quick notes about the physical cars themselves. So interestingly, as is currently reflected on the design studio, the, the cars were are being delivered without red brake calipers. That's the first time Tesla has not had red brake calipers on a performance model in since I believe the very early, very early Model S days. The, the first P85s didn't have them and then they added them later. So they are really going just stealth, total stealth mode with these cars, which some people will like. Other people would rather have the red brake calipers. I obviously am a fan of the red brake calipers, but uh, certainly the cars, I don't think the brakes themselves are any smaller, any different. Like you can just look at the, at the wheels and see the, those brake calipers, they are, they are big discs, big brakes. They are, they fill the, the entire wheel well, uh, the, and the, the calipers themselves look big. So I don't think there's any difference there. It's just the color of the caliper. And then the other thing that I that I had, did not expect at all, which was really interesting. So they had a bunch of display cars sitting around uh, the, the event, in addition to the 20-something cars that were sort of off to the side of people actually taking delivery, people like Dale. And so the cars that you could that were sitting around, you could you could get in those, you could get a demonstration of the UI from a Tesla employee. And those cars had, instead of the word plaid in the lower right corner of the trunk lid, which is you know where the badge is, the trim designation on on most of the Teslas, pretty I guess all the Teslas now. It instead instead of plaid, which is what it shows on the design studio, just P L A I D, it instead has a the plaid rectangle that you saw at the beginning of the presentation. I and mean, if you're not sure what I mean, it looks like the plaid logo T-shirt that Tesla sells in their online store. You can go look that up if you need a visual for what I'm talking about. I, of course, I wore my plaid t-shirt, my Tesla plaid t-shirt to the event because that's the perfect event to wear it to. But um, what's interesting is that plaid badge, I don't think it's for the production cars. It was just seemingly for the demo cars that they had at the event because it didn't seem like that any of the cars being delivered had them. And it's again, it's not on the design studio. I will say, if Tesla doesn't make an offer those itself to customers, I guarantee some aftermarket company out there is going to jump on that because it's a pretty cool badge. Like you just kind of look at it and it's definitely one of those, you you know, if you know things, which again, some people like, some people don't like and it, but it's a, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a neat, it's a pretty neat badge uh, that they had on those cars. So with that, let me get to some excerpts from Elon's presentation. I'm obviously not going to play the whole thing. If you want to listen slash watch the whole thing, you can do so on Tesla's YouTube channel. But here up first is Elon explaining why they did Plaid. So uh, you know, what we really wanted to achieve here is like, well, why, you know, why make this really fast car that's crazy fast and everything? And 
Uh, I think there, there is something it, it, that's quite important um, to the future of sustainable energy, which is that uh, we've we got to show that an electric car is the best car, hands down. You know? So it's, it's got to be clear. It's like, man, this is uh, sustainable energy cars. It can be the fastest cars, can be the safest cars, uh, can be the most kick-ass cars in every way. Um, and that, and that's, that's why we did the plaid. It's just to show hands down, this is the way to go. You know, he could probably give this exact same speech for Roadster next year when that finally gets built. In fact, I wonder what that presentation is going to be like. I mean, it's going to have to be something like, well, after plaid, we decided to challenge ourselves to just break every record in supercar history. So here we go, and we decided to cheat physics with a with a cold gas thruster package from our aerospace friends across the the Hawthorne Airport there at SpaceX. So that uh, that'll be something to look forward to. But yeah, I thought I thought playing the why was definitely interesting because I I agree with him. I agree with him, and I think that's that goes back to the original Model S. Is in fact further back to the original Roadster. It had to be exciting it had to be as good or better than comparable gas cars in order to get people to even pay attention and consider and give an electric car a chance so i'm with elon on this one all right uh what is it like this entire new package taken as a cohesive holistic whole elon musk what is this new model s like and then the design, we've obviously made a lot of refinements to the exterior, and, and then we've, made, we've completely redone the interior. So we, I think when, once you drive the, the new Model S, it really feels like you're driving the future. Um, and uh, other cars are going to, especially like non-Tesla cars, are going to feel very last century. <laughs> well, I have not had the privilege of driving the car and actually using the yoke steering wheel, but sitting in it, I would say definitely does feel pretty futuristic. And and the yoke is a big part of that, but so is the 17-inch landscape touchscreen with the instrument cluster screen and the new UI, too. Now, speaking of the yoke... Um, we, we have the, this yoke steering wheel, which is a little different, but I think once you try it, you'll think this is, it's, it's great. Um, the, you, your, the visibility uh, of the, the, the main screen is, is super clear, especially for uh, autopilot. So you can see the entire panoramic view. of You can basically see the mind's eye of the car. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. <laughs> Honestly, I have now felt the yoke. I've sat in the car. It's tough to judge without driving it. I will say those capacitive touch wheel buttons, though, like the turn signals, the windshield washer, the autopilot, they those are, I think, just going to take some muscle memory development. You're going to have to condition your brain to just know where those are, where to move your thumbs without even thinking about it. I will say, though, again, sitting in a display car in both the back seat and the driver's seat, I had my hands on the yoke and I played around with the steering wheel buttons and the new UI the capacitive touch buttons that I just mentioned a second ago, what I like about them, they give a subtle bit of little just force feedback. Like uh, like if you've got, I'm sure Android does this too, but on an iPhone, like when you when you go to turn on the flashlight from, you know, when the phone is is locked, you just, you know, the screen wakes up and then you just you like push hard and it gives that little bit of feedback. It's the same thing on the Model S yoke steering wheel as well. 
which I think is pretty cool. And also, by the way, now that this yoke, because a lot of people in the beginning uh, in January were like doubting that it was going to actually ship on cars. Well, it's real, it's legal, and it's on the roads. That tells me that, A, the Roadster is absolutely going to have one. The prototype has a a, a yoke that's made entirely of carbon fiber, which looks super cool. And the Cybertruck may very well have something similar to the yoke as well, because the prototype has a kind of half yoke, half wheel thing. Tesla clearly seems to like yokes. So I think it's something that we should be getting used to, whether we like it or not. All right, the other... Uh, in addition to the yoke, there's the other controversial feature of the new Model S and Model X, and that's smart shift and the elimination of the stalks. Take it away, Elon. And then we've gotten rid of the stalks. So, like, you know, I think generally um, all input is error. So we, we want, if, if you have to do something that the car could have done already, that should be taken care of. The software should just do it. So you can actually just literally walk up to the car, it senses that you're approaching, unlocks the car based on your phone, it just basically pairs with your phone, knows that you're coming to the car, opens the door, it op- op- extends the handle, you sit down, and you just drive. You don't, you don't have to uh, press the drive or anything like that. The car knows you want to drive. It figures like, yeah, good guess, you know? <laughs> so, and, and, then, and then it's using the autopilot system to know where the obstacles are. So obviously if there's something in front of you, you want to go backwards, and if there's something in, uh, you know, in back of you, you want to go front, most likely. Um, <laughs> and then it'll, 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 it will adapt to your, uh, to, to your needs. So if it sees that you're always doing, uh, this, you know, you're changing to reverse or forward in particular situations, it'll try to remember that. Um, and geocode it to that location, so then you, it'll, you won't have to do it in the future. It'll, it will just keep uh, minimizing the amount of input that you need to do until the car just reads your mind. So it's going to be great. Just getting in and not selecting a gear, just like sitting down and hitting the accelerator pedal, that is no doubt going to feel weird for a while. But then again, so did not turning off the car when you just when you got your first Tesla compared to every other car, when you just, you know, you get up and walk away. That seems strange at first. Still, though, there are a lot of understandable concerns about this smart shift feature. I mean, it's one of those things where is it even necessary to remove that? Like, I get wanting to get rid of the stalks, but it's one of those things where, again, I feel like I can't know, most of us can't know, I feel like, without actually driving it and experiencing it. I mean, I will say there are capacitive touch PRND buttons on the ver- on the base of the wireless phone charger in the center console in case anything happens to the screen. And if the car does pick a gear that you don't want, you just swipe right from the left edge of the screen and a UI pops up. The, the, you'll see on the UI and you, then you can swipe up or down right on the left rail, the left edge of the UI and that will change gears that way. So there are actually there are three ways to change gears, one of which the car you know, is automatic, and two of which are manually controlled. So again, this is one of those things. We'll see what owners have to say as they drive them. How about the back seat, Elon? What have you guys done there? The inter- we've moved the interior so that the, the, um, 
the, the front IP is actually uh, slimmer and thinner, so we were able to move the, uh, the, the front seats forward, giving more room to the back seat. And we uh, reclined the back seat more and uh, reduced the interior trim. So uh, basically, the, the, you know, the current more or less, the back seat is not amazing, but the new one, uh, it's actually a legit back seat, I'd say. <laughs> it's like, you, you, it's good. <laughs> um, so you, you can, it's, I think it's quite a comfortable uh, back seat, and you've got also a rear screen, um, and you can control everything from the, from the back. Um, yeah. I played that clip about the back seats because I want to back Elon up on that one. I obviously don't own a Model S, but I have been in them plenty of times before, and I will say, the new Model S back seat is definitely roomier and comfier. I mean, I'm not a super tall guy, but I will say there is a lot of leg room, and you actually are. You can tell that you are kind of leaning back just a little bit in the back seats, but in a totally, what in my, in my opinion, comfortable way. Also, another thing I want to point out, that, uh, that the viewing angle on, on that non-detachable, that third screen, that second row screen, the little eight-inch one, it's good. Uh, I was I was worried from looking at the pictures in the design studio when Tesla unveiled the car that it looked like, oh, are you going to have to kind of crane your neck down to look at this thing? And I don't really feel that way because the screen is kind of tilted. It's got it just a viewing angle that's tilted up towards your eye level a little bit. So I think that's going to work out pretty well. And then also on the, the subject of the interior, I want to add the Airblade HVAC system. It's they even have that in the back seats. So we knew from the design studio that, that the uh, new Model S has a three-zone climate control, front passenger, uh, a driver, front passenger, and rear. Well, sure enough, yeah, the you, you control it right on the screen, and there is a little air blade that's like hiding, tucked up uh, on, like on the upper lip of the center console above that eight-inch screen, you can't even see it. Like you have to feel for it, which I did. I was like, where is this? And had to kind of feel for it. And you can direct, you can use the screen to direct the direction of the airflow, even in the third row, you know, one, you know, you can direct one side, one channel of air over towards the, the right passenger and, and the other one over towards the left passenger. So I thought that was pretty cool. In fact, overall, this 2.0 version of the, the blade air system that the you know the, the model three and the Y you can see it's there's that thin strip where there is that just sort of open vent and it's still that looks great but on the S you really can't even see anything it's it really is almost completely hidden and I think it's really fantastic the job that the the Tesla team has done on that they've they've hidden it exceptionally well I I think you honestly won't see it unless you know to look for it like I went looking for it. And that's, that's the only reason I was able to verify, like, oh, there it is. It's like hiding up under there. So that's uh, some really good interior work by the Tesla team. All right, maybe the, maybe the funniest moment of the night and, and most obviously unscripted, unplanned, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe might be Elon's worst moment of the night is uh, having to do a little extra work here. So Elon started talking about the new UI and then this wonderful organic moment happened that I feel grateful to have been a part of. Listen carefully to this clip. You gotta tune in to the crowd. Listen for what somebody in the crowd says. Take a listen to this. And then we've got an old new UI. Uh, so... <laughs> 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 
really want waypoints. Okay, does everybody here want waypoints? Yeah. Okay, fine, we'll do waypoints. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> two weeks. All right, we'll do, do waypoints, fine. Um, yes, the crowd demands waypoints in the navigation, and we shall have them. You know, I know a lot of you have called that. I mean, there have been plenty of people that have called in or written in or posted about that on social media about that exact feature over the years. So I can say I was happy to be a part of the small but raucous crowd in attendance cheering for the addition of waypoints. So I thought that was a really fun moment. All right. Let's talk about the gaming capability of the new MCU 3. As Nobody's calling it that but me, but I'm going with MCU 3. <laughs> Here's Elon talking about that. And then, uh, <laughs> it's not PS, not PS4, it's PS5. <laughs> so, um, there's, I think never, really there's never been a car that has state-of-the-art uh, computing technology, state-of-the-art infotainment, where uh, this is literally uh, at the level of a, of a PlayStation 5. So, yeah, I mean, if you think about the future where the car is often uh, in autopilot or full self-driving mode, um, then entertainment is going to become increasingly important. Um, so you're going to want to watch movies, play games, um, you know, use, use the internet, uh, just little thing, you know, things you want to do if you're not driving. And this is uh, actual PlayStation 5 level performance. It can play Cyberpunk. <laughs> Again, being there to see it for myself, it was pretty crazy to see Cyberpunk 2077, which is a AAA caliber game that just came out in December, running at 60 frames per second in a car. This massive, modern, new, open world game running at 60 frames in a car. Now, of course, the screen's not 4K like it is in your, your living room, but still, it, it is very, very impressive. Now, if you're not familiar there's a little kind of extra layer to this, and that is that Cyberpunk 2077 had a rather painful launch that uh, it looks and runs very, very poorly, to say the least, on the old generation of consoles, meaning the Xbox One and PlayStation 4. So again, seeing it run buttery smooth 60 frames per second in a Tesla is pretty nuts. Also, I'd have to guess then that The Witcher 3... Uh, which was shown in the pr initial promotional imagery of the, the new interior when they unveiled the new Model S and X back in late January. That is obviously still in the works, but both games, Witcher 3 and Cyberpunk 2077, are made by the same developer, so I'm sure Tesla has permission and is working on The Witcher 3. I would have thought that one would have been first, but here's Cyberpunk instead. Now, uh, on a related note, I want to say... I. I don't know anything here. This is my own just speculation, but I suspect that the Model 3 and the Model Y are not going to get uh, like stuff like Cyberpunk and a lot of the new UI because A, MCU 3 is PS5 level power and that's what it takes to run Cyberpunk 2077. And it, I just think that MC, that new 
chip is unlikely to come down to the lower-priced, high-volume cars, at least not anytime soon. And B, it's the MCU-3 is also built to work with an instrument cluster display and then using that whole 17-inch display for other stuff. So I, I would not count on, you know, say, the new... 4680 cell model Ys that'll come out of Berlin and Texas to have MCU three in them. But I hope I'm wrong about that, but we shall see two more clips for you before I move on to the rest of this week's Tesla news. Cause there is a lot more to talk about this week. First up supercharging Elon. You guys have made some improvements on the new battery chemistry f- that have enabled some faster supercharging on the new SNX. So and and we've also improved the super supercharging speed, so you can uh, get 187 miles of range in 15 minutes. Well, I think we can probably thank the new battery chemistry for that, and possibly some new thermal insulated hardware in the onboard charging system as well for that extra charging speed. That is awesome stuff. All right, one last clip for you. This is Elon talking about some of the technology, some of the hardware that's in the three-motor plaid powertrain, specifically the carbon rotor sleeve. Take a listen to this. And talking about some of the sort of uh, details behind it. Uh, So uh, we have an an all-new battery pack. Um, And then something we're really proud of is the new carbon-sleeved rotors for the motor. So this is the first time that, uh, there's, a, to the best of our knowledge, there's been a, a production electric motor that has, that has a carbon overwrap rotor. So, um, this is a super hard thing to do because a carbon and a copper have, uh, you know, at very different rates of thermal expansion. So, in order to do a carbon overwrap rotor, you've got to wind it at extremely high tension. It's a very hard thing to, to do. We actually had to design the machine that makes the, motor, the rotor. So it, no such machine ex- existed before. It also means we can make, have the electromagnetic field uh, be super efficient uh, and have a tight gap even at super high RPM. And this is, it's single speed from zero to 200 miles an hour. So it's just, yes. it, the, the RPM is so crazy that just the centrifugal force wants to expand the rotor so the carbon overwrap actually holds the, the rotor, to, basically holds the rotor together. <laughs> it's, like, it's like madness. I find it interesting to hear the details of that plaid drivetrain and the, the tech that they had to create for this to really make it fly. But take note of what Elon said there. It is still a single speed gear, just like every single other Tesla to date. And they got it to top out at 200 miles per hour, whereas the other Teslas have all been in the low 160s. So I wonder if the Roadster might end up having a second gear like the Porsche Taycan has, and maybe that is how the Roadster is going to hit the 250 mile per hour plus that they have advertised in that car. In fact, back at the reveal in 2017, they said 250 plus miles an hour. I mean, that would be another way to differentiate it from the Plaid S for what is an extra $70,000 between the the Plaid S and the base Roadster. So we'll see what happens there. All right, that is everything from the event. I'm going to take a quick little musical interlude, as I always do in the middle of the show, but stick with me. There is a lot more to talk about, starting with more Plaid news. This about Plaid Plus. Be right back. 
right, well, all that was the good plaid news. Now here's the bad plaid news. The Plaid Plus, the 520 mile range, zero to 60 in less than 1.99 seconds Model S has been canceled via an Elon Musk tweet. Elon taking to Twitter ahead of the Plaid delivery event to say, Plaid Plus is canceled, no need as Plaid is just so good, end quote. And with that, Lucid will take the EV range crown if and when they come to market, uh, at least until the Roadster makes its way into uh, its own delivery event, hopefully sometime next year, with its planned 620 plus miles. Now, I've got a bunch of thoughts about this, as you might imagine. First, I have to think that the Plaid, well, is it 4680 cell based? I'd figured that the Plus was definitely 4680 and the regular Plaid wasn't, and that's where the jump from 390 to 520 miles of range came from. But is it possible that both were 4680 based all along and the Plus was just going to be a larger pack? I don't think so, but we don't know quite for sure, but it's 99% sure because if you actually go and watch the Elon presentation from the Plaid delivery event that I played you some audio clips of, he talks about the new battery pack, shows it on the screen. I mean, they had them at, they had torn down, they had like shells of cars at the event. So you could see the drivetrains and there was not a 4680 cell or a structural battery pack. So quite sure, but just can't be 100% sure. But I, it does seem like the 4680s were going to be the difference between the Plaid and the Plaid Plus. Now, what would that have done for performance? Probably not too much because of, well, mostly just tire traction. I don't know how much farther Tesla can push it. Performance probably would have been pretty negligible between the two, at least at the low end, because Tesla was advertising, as I said, simply less than 1.99 seconds, but not giving any specifics on that Plaid Plus that they were taking reservations for. But again, it's that range the range was a big, big deal on this thing for a lot of people. I mean, 520 miles versus 390 miles, well worth a, I guess, what would have been a $20,000 premium over the regular Plaid since the Plaid got bumped up 10 grand, as I mentioned to you earlier. I mean, that's a, that's a 33% range difference. Even if the performance is close, that's a heck of a difference in range. So I know a lot of people are bummed here, but now on a related note, I think it's kind of odd. It it's, doesn't seem within Tesla's, I don't know, modus operandi, I guess, even though they are seem to be constantly rewriting their MO. But it's just odd to me to think that the top-end Cybertruck at 70 grand will have more range than its flagship sedan that's, what, 80 grand. That just doesn't square to me. Like, I don't, I don't know quite how to reconcile that. Maybe there is another piece of the puzzle that we don't know about yet that will make that make sense. But the S has always been held up. I mean, if you have listened to Elon interviews, whether it's with me or other people, he has said in the past that the Model S is his favorite car. And when I interviewed Franz von Holzhausen, the chief designer at Tesla in November, late, yeah, early November, late October, 2019, episode 220, that he he said he straight up said I asked him well what's you know do you have a favorite child as it were a favorite car that you've made and he says the Model S 
So they, you know, the the senior most leaders at Tesla, they have that deep love for the S, and so it just seems strange that the truck, for cheaper, for less money, would end up with being the range king again until the supercar comes around, which costs way more money. But in any case. Uh, again, I I just feel bad for people who reserved that 520 mile range car back at Battery Day, which, looking at the calendar, is now nine months ago. That's a long time, and those people, not only in the time that they've waited, they first saw the release date get pushed back by six plus months, only now to have it get canceled altogether. So. Are those people going to go with the quote-unquote regular plaid now that it, air quotes, only has 390 miles of range? I don't know. I mean, some people will, some people won't, but it's certainly disappointing regardless. And the other part, too, that active spoiler. Remember I was talking about that on the podcast a week or two ago, that car that was that Tesla had around Laguna Seca? It had that cool active spoiler that that uh, was would came up from the, the trunk lid where the... the the rear glass comes down on the hatchback and that active spoiler. I mean, that was super cool. Was that something that the engineering team was just messing around with for track purposes? Well, that's not part of the cars that were delivered and it's never been mentioned as part of plaid on the design studio. I had thought that that was going to be a plaid plus thing. And now if it was then, well, it's, it's now out the window as well. But what this does, assuming that the, overwhelming evidence is correct that that the plaid that's out now is not 4680 cell based and that means there have been still no cars delivered with the 4680 cells as of yet what this move does canceling the plaid plus is it frees up more 4680 cells in 2022 for a few different things it cuz you've got the berlin and texas built model y that will take every 4680 cell they can get. You've got the Cybertruck that will take every 4680 cell it can get, at least as as quickly as production can ramp. As we know, production you know tends to tends to start slowly with Tesla, and in this case with the Cybertruck, it's certainly reasonable to expect a slow ramp up given that the production process, yes, it's a simpler process, as Tesla has explained with the sort of origami-style folding of the stainless steel, but being a very new manufacturing process, I think we should expect a uh, a longer S curve on this, to use one of Elon's terms. But so anyway, every Cybertruck that does get built in 2022, that's a 4680 cell, and then you've got the Tesla Semi will gobble up a lot of 4680 cells in each individual truck there, and the Roadster as well, which is still on tap for hopefully, as, as of we last heard from Elon, 2022 as well. In fact, kind of thinking about it, I mean, I would venture a guess that out of all those 4680-based vehicles that I just listed, the production volume of the Plaid Plus Model S probably would have matched up pretty closely to the Roadster. You think about it. I mean, $150,000, 520-mile range Model S the market for that's probably not enormous. I mean, the range is amazing, but the price, you know, being up there, there's probably not a lot of those that would get made every year. I kind of wonder if the Plaid Plus S would have been roughly a similar production volume as the Roadster is. So 
maybe, maybe I'm probably looking at this far too simply. I'm sure it's more nuanced and complicated than this, but maybe Tesla is more or less just doing a one-to-one swap here of the 46 battery, 4680 battery supply, killing the Plaid Plus S and just taking all of that 4680 cell allocation to finally get the Roadster into production next year because that car has been hanging around. It was announced, you know, we're, we're going on four years. It's been over three and a half years at this point since it was announced and we are, we've not seen anything uh, new or, or sort of definitive on its status and, and when it's coming. So I wonder if, if Tesla might've said, well, you know what? The Plaid S is pretty darn awesome. The performance numbers are amazing. 390 miles of range is a lot. How many of these Plaid Plus S's would we really make for, you know, for the uh, for the, the limited amount of cells we have? Let's take those cells and let's get, let's allocate those to the Roadster and get that finally into production. I don't know. Again, I'm sure it's probably more complicated, but that plausible thought at least comes to mind. A couple more thoughts here. I think... This is the first time that Tesla has ever not delivered something that they went so far as to take orders slash reservations for. Because you can look at the original Model S 40 kilowatt hour pack, which was the $50,000 car that they had promised years before. They did deliver that car. It was in the form of a software locked 60 kilowatt hour battery, which was a normal production. You know, they were, they had sixties and they had 85s and they had performance P 85s, but they did software lock sixties for the people that did want the $50,000 car that, that, you know, they just did 40 kilowatt hours worth of it. So that car got made the standard range three got made for a little while via the software reduced standard range plus. And then the standard range Y just earlier this year did get produced after being announced at the Model Y unveiling in March of 2019 in pretty limited quantities. You know, the standard range Y didn't last long, but they did deliver it. I mean, there's been stuff that Tesla has said they would do, but didn't go so far as to take any money for it. For instance, there was there was talk of an air suspension in the Model 3 a metal roof in the Model 3 on the standard range version and a retractable moonroof on the Model 3. Those were all things from the reveal night that were planned. They never ended up making it into production, but those were not part of... that. Nobody had their money taken and didn't get that. So that was... Uh, this is the first time that I can ever think of that Tesla did not deliver something that they took money for. But the bottom line here on the cancellation of the Plaid Plus Model S is... I'm surprised. I'm really surprised. I mean, it does give the Roadster a bit more room at the top of the ledger at the to be the halo car from, you know, the 390 mile range S to the Roadster that will come in at 620 plus. The Cybertruck tri, uh, tri-motor, Cybertruck Plaid is still supposed to be 500 miles. So we'll see. But, um, you know, 390 miles which is what the top end is today, that is still the, <laughs> the, it's the longest range EV in the world that's that's actually in production. Oh, excuse me, I guess, well, today. It's the longest today. Then when the long range non-plaid new Model S comes in at 412 miles, that will be the king. And if Lucid delivers the air anytime soon 
at 500 miles, 500, I think it was like 17 or something, they would take the crown. But still, uh, this this plaid car that I you know was gushing about my experience in, and for good reason, it is a heck of, achieve, of an achievement from the engineering perspective, from just the overall value perspective. I mean, it's a it's a it's a heck of a lot of car, and it's it's really really cool. So, congratulations to Tesla on the Plaid. It is a disappointment about the Plaid Plus. We'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what does shake out in 2022 with the 4680 cells and the and the how many of those can they make? Really, I think that's what it's going to come down to. Next up this week, some bad news. Longtime Tesla executive Jerome Guillen who, as you may recall, headed up the Tesla Semi program and most recently was the head of the entire automotive side of the business, is leaving Tesla. Listener Jared Brown flagged this to me. Thank you, Jared. And the story comes via CNBC, who writes, Tesla executive Jerome Guillen has left the company after only three months as the president of its heavy trucking unit, according to an SEC filing. Quote, We thank him for his many contributions and wish him well in his future career, said Tesla in that same SEC 10K filing. His last day, so he's gone, his last day was June 3rd. Before his appointment to that role in March, Guillen had led the company's entire uh, vehicles business since 2018. During his time as president of automotive, Tesla opened its first plant overseas in Shanghai and expanded its battery cell supply partnerships. Guillen has worked at the company in roles reporting directly to Elon Musk since November of 2010. That is a long, long time in any business. But with all due respect to whoever replaces Jerome, and and hopefully somebody will, by the way, because you remember Elon hasn't always replaced executives who've left. Remember John McNeil, who was the head of service? Elon just assumed that role himself and said, well, that'll just report up to me. So... Uh, putting thereby putting more on Elon's already very, very full plate. But again, with all due respect to whomever replaces Jerome, I do feel like this is a blow to the company. I mean, Jerome, the fact of the matter is Jerome was one of the longest tenured Tesla higher ups. And he is he seemed like the kind of person, the kind of talent where if anything were to ever happen to Elon, God forbid, I, as a customer, I, as an enthusiast, would have felt good with the company in his hands. I felt the same way about J.B. Straubel, excuse me, Straubel, who was probably Elon's, more of Elon's right hand, more so than Jerome, but I guess that would have made Jerome his left hand in this analogy. But anyway, you know, the, the, I will say the investors, uh, Wall Street didn't really seem to mind that Jerome left. The stock was pretty flat the next day. I kept an eye on it. It was just down a couple of bucks. But as you know, the Tesla Semi, that was Jerome's baby. He came up in heavy trucking before coming over to Tesla. And I would imagine the bulk of the work on the Tesla Semi is done other than the actual building part, which is, of course, anything but trivial. I don't want to make it seem that way, seem that it is trivial. But still, presumably, the Semi is done on paper, at least. Now, all that said, fresh blood can be a good thing. It absolutely can be a good thing. So I wonder if Tesla will look to promote from within on this or look to bring in a voice from outside the company. And Jerome, I'm sure, if he doesn't want to, will never have to work again after what I imagine is a very impressive 
decade-old stock package from, from when the, the stock was uh, was not worth much and hadn't split five ways. So all the best to Jerome and and all the best to whoever comes in next. That person's going to get thrown right into the fire. I mean, if they're the head of automotive, if that's the, the role that gets filled, uh, or even, even if they just come in as the head of heavy trucking, having to come in and get the semi built. But if the next person is the head of automotive, as Jerome was, they've got to launch the Cybertruck, launch the Tesla Semi, launch the Roadster, and then shortly after that, launch the $25,000 car that's kind of the the force multiplier for the entire company. So it'll be a lot. It is a big, big job, but it's also a great opportunity for whomever that person ends up being. Next up this week, definitely wanted to pass this along, Tesla Insurance and some full self-driving subscription information has been found buried deep in the Tesla app, into the in the bowels of it. This comes via the Tesla Motors Reddit and user Callum P, uh, Callum P01 or Callum P01. I'm not quite sure the proper pronunciation of, of that, but that user says, I got bored or I get bored from time to time and love to reverse engineer stuff. And recently I posted some details here on the Reddit that officially confirmed an FSD subscription was in the works. The original post was validated by the moderation team shortly after posting, so I hope this lends some credibility to the updates that I've found and will be talking about here. So I'm going to read you kind of an excerpt from this very long post that this user made. First, Tesla is implementing insurance directly into the app, and it will have its own section for you to view your insurance details. There will be a new safety ratings section of the app. The safety rating page will track your vehicle and is linked directly to your insurance. It will show the number of hours you've driven, how often you use autopilot, how many auto uh, automatic braking, emergency braking system events you have, forward collision warnings you have, auto steer strikeouts, meaning if you, you know, just don't get the wheel in time and the car, you know, decides to pull over and shut off. Uh, where'd I leave off here? Accelerator variance and many other metrics in both a per trip and monthly basis, which you'll be able to see in a neat graphical interface. You are given a pass or fail rating, though it is unclear whether that rating will be visible to the end user. And from what I can tell, appears to be exclusive to hardware two and above and software version 2021.4.12 is required. So there's that. Now, factors, this user says, factors which affect your premium titles and tool tips. You've got ABS activation, which is number of times ABS is activated, automatic braking system. Hours driven, average daily driving time. Forced autopilot disengagements, the number of times autopilot is disabled due to ignored alerts. Forward collision warnings, the number of times a car detects a potential for, uh, forward collision, which by the way, uh, I don't know if that's been tweaked or not. I had three of those the last time I took the car out and it was, and they were not, one of them was like, okay, maybe you could, you could have put the forward collision on, but the other two were just not even close. So I, sometimes that thing is not exactly trustworthy, but anyway, that's that aside. Let me get back to the post here. And then unsafe following time is a factor which is the portion of time spent at an unsafe following distance. So it's going to know if you're tailgating and intensity of acceleration and braking. 
speed variance due to extreme acceleration and braking shown on a scale from zero to 10 as measured against Tesla's internal fleet. Performance indicators are based on an average for that factor. The more factors you get into the green, the more you'll save on your premium. Your actual premium will not change more than 50% in a month based on your driving behavior. And my just my personal note here, I wonder if you'll be measured against the entire fleet or just the like cars. In other words, if I've got a Plaid S, I would not want to be benchmarked against or excuse me, I would rather, I would want to be benchmarked against other Plaid S's. I would not think it would be really fair to benchmark me against long range S's or Model Y's, just as another example. And then the Roadster is a different story. I mean, what? although this applies to the Plaid S, a car that actually exists today, what if you take the Plaid S to the track and just, <laughs> you're running it, you're doing these you know 150 mile an hour trap speeds down the drag strip, does it know where you're at, uh, that you're at a track? Does it know via GPS? I hope so. Now, the other part of this, full self-driving subscription. This is probably what more of you are interested in hearing about. Again, this is not a this is not something that I can say is 100% confirmed, but this user has a track record of getting these things correct, so this is looking pretty solid here. So with regard to the full self-driving subscription, the user says, significantly more work has been completed around in-app subscriptions. It looks very near completion with the cart system now finished off, and they have added some bits around the payment processor. This looks very, very close to release with finishing touches now being applied. And some notes. It looks like you'll be able to refund a subscription within a set time frame, much like you can with upgrades, and you'll be prompted to provide feedback on why you're doing so to the team. It's important to know that this is a request. However, you don't have to do that. Also, there will be a weekend mode and travel mode, but no details on what those actually mean. Also, billing periods are only rolling monthly at the moment. There does appear to be sections of code that reference setting up billing periods, though, and I have received a separate report. This is the user talking, not me. I've received a separate report from a source elsewhere that you'll be able to subscribe to FSD for much longer and shorter periods, such as one week, one month, six months, etc. So that's that. That's everything from that intrepid Reddit user. So that seems to answer the question of whether or not they will offer an annual subscription option. It looks like it will not be the case, at least at first, but it sounds like it may very well be coming along sooner rather than later. And the same could be said for, say, a weekend subscription or a week-long subscription if you're on a road trip or something. So good news that it looks like Tesla will, in time, offer a lot of different menu options with that FSD subscription. Next story this week, as I said, busy week. An update on the shareholder meeting, which in years past, up until the pandemic threw everything off last year, the... Shareholder meeting would have already happened by now. I mean, it's June 11th as I record this, June 13th as it's published. And typically the shareholder meeting, the annual shareholder meeting is done in the very, very first week, the beginning of June. So a Twitter user asked, Elon, if you can please also speak about Gigafactory software, uh, full self-driving, auto bidder, I don't know what they're referring to with auto bidder, solar V3, meaning the solar glass roof, new dojo chips and its future application for vision as a service, also 4680 progress. Thank you. 
And Elon replied to this and said, at the annual shareholder meeting, meaning he'll address some of that stuff there, probably late July slash early August. Well, again, they had the Plaid event this week and then for the shareholder meeting, I'm sure they're probably wanting to wait until California is scheduled to fully reopen, uh, which is on June 15th, just a couple days after this podcast publishes. And that way there would be most likely fewer attendance restrictions and hoops that Tesla would have to jump through for that. So thus, late July, early August makes sense for that. If you're thinking of attending, if you're a shareholder and you'd like to attend, just pencil that in on your calendar, that window there, maybe that last week of July, first week of August. Two more quick stories this week. First, another update on those full self-driving Beta 9 builds. Elon saying one more production release of Pure Vision this week than the FSD Beta 9 a week or two later. V9 FSD is also Pure Vision. The foundational improvements are immense. Now, by this week, he meant the week that we just completed, so last week for all of you, really, uh, because he posted that on Sunday the 6th. So that's one week down. So hopefully... Hopefully a bunch of us finally have that FSD Beta 9 build in our cars by, you know, maybe a little more realistically, the end of the month. It's coming up, which is also the end of a quarter for Tesla, which would be another reason for them to get it out if they feel that it's ready, because then they could claim that in the shareholder letter and brag about it on the earnings call as well. Just, to, you know, it's always nice. They always want to have shiny new things to to show investors and uh, and show that they can realize revenue from those some of that FSD revenue as well that they're having to sit on for accounting purposes until additional features such as full on FSD roll out. I now I realize before I move on from this, I certainly realize, and I I'm with a lot of you here. These constant revisions of the timeline have are, have got to be frustrating for for those of you that are waiting for this, as I am. But I'll say this, I mean, at least it is a constant update of the latest information, even if the timeline keeps moving, rather than total radio silence. I mean, some people might rather have the total radio silence and just have it show up when it shows up. But if Elon's going to talk about it, because that is his way, he is not shy about holding back on anything, at least we're getting a consistent feed of updates to see, you know, see what the progress of the team is. Finally this week... One final little note, the 19-inch Tempest wheels on the Model S, uh, which are the default ones, they are now dark gray through and through in color instead of silver with a gray infill paint like they used to be. I will say, my obviously, wheels are extraordinarily subjective, but I think the Tempest wheels before were the ugliest wheels that Tesla has ever done. Uh, they just don't look good on the model on a beautiful Model S. They're obviously there for function over form, but th- just painting them dark gray, they look much better than before. You can get an idea. Take a look at the design studio, and uh, and you can see for yourself. But I, I'll say I still think these wheels just do not do the Model S justice at all. To that end, every single Model S that was delivered at the Plaid event 
they all had 21 inch wheels. So I guess they were not ready. They probably just haven't finished making these new dark gray. They threw them on the design studio because they know that even if you order a car, you're not going to be able to get it for a few weeks or a couple months, whatever it is. But yeah, every single S that was delivered at the Plaid event had the 21 inch new arachnid wheels. But I will say on kind of on that note, I think it's kind of a bummer that on that flagship sedan, you only get two choices. It's just those, in my opinion, slightly now less ugly 19-inch Tempest Arrow wheels, or the much more expensive, the $4,500 extra 21-inch new Arachnids, which I think look really good. I wish that Tesla offered a 20-inch in-between option on the Model S, because heck, the 3 and the Y have three wheel size choices. 18, 19, 20 on the three, 19, 20, 21 on the Y. So it's kind of a shame that you've you've got to go from kind of, you've got to go from uh, the, the ugly duckling to the swan as far as your, the aesthetics on your Model S wheel choices. But at least, I, again, take a look on the design studio. I do think just painting them dark gray makes them look a lot better. All right, well, that is it for this extremely busy week of Tesla news. In fact, the show's been going on long enough here. I'm already at an hour. I'm gonna skip the hotline for this week, although I wanna tease you to please come back next week. I have so many great phone calls lined up that I'm excited to get to next week from uh, somebody that, uh, Ryan in Las Vegas called in. He actually got to go experience the boring tunnel in a Tesla in Las Vegas. So I've got a call from him about that. There's some really great phone calls, so be sure to check back next week. And feel free to keep your calls coming as well, just because I ran out of time for this week. Feel free to to call in if you've got a Tesla-related question, comment, discussion topic. If you took delivery of a Plaid Model S, I would love to hear from you, to hear what you think of actually driving with the yoke and your experience with the car. If you just have comments, on the the Plaid or, or the new Model S in general, give me a ring. You can dial in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software. Just record the, the question, record the call, as it were. Uh, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less. And then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can dial in toll-free anytime on the Ride the Lightning hotline itself, 24-7, doesn't matter. You just call and leave a message. And that number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. Stick with me, though. I'll be right back with an excellent pro tip of the week for you and a little bit more show coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Before I mention a few friends of the podcast, as well as my Patreon backers who are so awesome, I want to give you your pro tip of the week. This one comes from loyal listener Jerome from Northern California. Go ahead, Jerome. Hey, Ryan, this is Jerome up in Northern California. Had a pro tip for your listeners. Probably talked about before, but just in case. If somebody texts you an address, you can click on the link in an iOS it'll open up a maps at which point you can then share to the Tesla app and it'll load it up onto your 
navigation system in your Tesla. It's a great way to just quickly send an address to your Tesla. Just thought for those people that are new to Tesla, they might not have thought about that or heard about it. And so there you go. Pro tip of the week. Thanks for all your hard work, Ryan. Take care. I love this one, Jerome. Thank you very much for resurfacing it. I mean, this is perhaps one of the absolute best examples of a pro tip of the week. It's something that Tesla absolutely does not tell you about, but the functionality is right there if you know where to look for it, and it's incredibly useful and convenient. I use this one all the time. On iOS, it works in Maps, as you mentioned, and Google Maps as well. I'm not sure about Android because I'm not an Android user, but I would be very surprised if it doesn't work there as well. So good stuff, Jerome. Thank you. If anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week, please send it in using the same method that you send in the regular hotline phone calls. So either recording your question on your phone or dialing in to the Ride the Lightning hotline via the toll-free number that I gave you earlier. All right, before I hit the road, I want to mention first, SnapPlate everyamp.com slash RTL, the front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds, paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, autopilot safe, nice, clean, minimalist design. If you got to do a front plate, this is the way to go, not the Tesla one that in, that's included with your car that uses double-sided automotive adhesive. Mm-mm, not a, no, no, thank you. Use the snap plate. So the website is everyamp.com slash RTL. They've got it for all four production Teslas. Meanwhile, abstractocean.com has plenty of goodies. The usual bestseller, the tempered glass screen protector, custom fit to the three and the Y screen. You've got uh, the, they've got a dash wrap kit. I'm just on the site right now. A, a carbon fiber dash wrap. If you don't like the wood trim in your three or Y or the white, the plain white trim, you could do a carbon fiber look in there, which is pretty cool. They've got uh, the badges, like the dual motor badges in black. Like if you chrome delete or just don't like the chrome badge, you can switch that out. So there's just all kinds of stuff. Browse around. You can sort by car. You can sort by all kinds of stuff. AbstractOcean.com. And when you've piled up everything in your cart that you want, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. That's RTLPODCAST, all one word. How about Immaculate Reflections? My friend Jeff is an extraordinarily talented detailer, regardless of your project wish list. If you want to get some scratches and factory flaws out of the paint with a paint correction process, Jeff can help you out with that. Whether you want to do some paint protection film to try and keep that paint from getting chipped and damaged from various road debris, He's got that for you, whether you want to do just the front section of the car or the whole darn car. Uh, you can He can do that. Whatever you want to do, he will do it, and it will look like... T- you take a look at my car. You can't even tell there's film on it. Like That's how talented a detailer that Jeff is. There's also ceramic coating. That's the other big popular service as well. That is basically takes the place of a wax. You only have to wax... Or excuse me, you only have to ceramic coat every like three to five years, and, and then you don't have to wax. Uh, then the water will just bead right off your car, makes cleaning it and keeping it clean really easy. So anyway, irdetailing.com is the site there for Immaculate Reflections. Mention when you drop Jeff a line that you are a listener of Ride the Lightning, and there's a discount waiting for you should you indeed book his services. How about puretesla.com slash RTL? 
It's quick and painless, free shipping anywhere in the US, and what you're shipping for free is a one, just one size fits all, just plug and play, dash cam and sentry mode kit. It's micro SD based. I've been running mine in my car for months and months. It just works. It's gonna work reliably. Just grab it. There's a 128 gigabyte kit for, for $49, or you could step up and do a 256 gig kit for $69. The website again, puretesla.com slash RTL. Jada keeps pumping out cool new products. Now they've got sort of an all-in-one Jada hub, USB hub console, a tech-focused center console that is designed for exclusive use in Tesla vehicles. Comes in either, you know, if you've got the new three or Y with the new console or the older one like me, it's got integrated charging for wireless headphones as well as a, a little charging spot for your Apple watch, your, your smartwatch. It's a storage organizer, all kinds of cool stuff. And then there's their oldest product, which is still my favorite. If your Tesla doesn't have the built-in wireless charging pad, Jada's new version four pad. I've got the three and it's great. The four is just, I think, I don't know if the power difference is any different, but I know it's got a nicer fit and finish to it. Not that the three is any slouch, but anyway, it doesn't matter. You're going to get the four if you order. So if you want to order any of the Jada stuff, I humbly ask that you use my referral link. In return, I'll get you a discount. All you got to do is use the coupon code RTL and you will get a nice little discount there. So use my referral link for that. It's getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada there is spelled J-E-D-A. Finally, there is, uh, well, there's my Patreon, of course. That is the ultimate way to support the podcast. I mean, listening to it, you're supporting it. But again, as you can see, hopefully this week makes especially obvious uh, there's a lot of time and a lot of effort that goes into this. I mean, the, the the plaid event was Thursday night late, which was great. But then I had to get home, get my thoughts organized, get all the clips pulled while also balancing full-time job, family life, and try and get you a good show, get it recorded Friday night, get those uh, so that the folks on Patreon have it when they wake up on Saturday morning and that everybody else still, ha- that it's on time for everyone else too. So you know, if at some point, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, next week, next month, I would love for you to consider supporting me. It'll never be something you have to do. It's always optional. That's that's the point. I'm always going to be here for you regardless. But if at some point you can support me, that would be absolutely wonderful. I would be humbled and grateful. You can find all the information for that on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And Patreon is spelled P-A-T. R-E-O-N. The support tiers start at just five bucks a month, or you could do annual uh, pledging, just pay once. And if you do that, you get a 5% discount on, on that. So that's a pretty good deal, I hope, as well. And with that, let me mention the top level Patreon supporters. So we've got the Roadster in Space tier. That's Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, at Rodam, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, and uh, Viral. I'll be talking to him this weekend as well. Looking forward to that. And then on the Maximum Plaid side, the newest Maximum Plaid backer. I traded a few emails with this gentleman this week. Uh, he's uh, wrestling with a with a Model S decision. Trying to. I'm happy to help him however I can. Tom Mills. Tom, thank you so much for your generosity on Patreon, as well as the rest of the Maximum Plaid crew. 
Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Jackson Wallace, Charles Galpin, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversoll, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, MT, Will Stedman, Tyler Smith, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, and Chris Beach. And then the plaid crew, much respect for all these fine folks as well. George Cassiopo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondal, Jerry and Mary Smith, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla Owners Club of Taiwan, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Joshua Walker, and Rick Dean. Thank you all very much for kindly supporting my efforts here on the podcast. Well, that will do it for an exciting, busy week of Tesla news for a now sleeping, of course, <laughs> Daisy the Boxer. I'm going to pass out myself soon as well because I didn't get a ton of sleep last night after the event. Had to get right up for work in the morning, but it's a good problem to have. I am grateful again. I really am. I was uh, just so grateful for the chance to get to go. Eric Norris, thank you again for offering me your plus one spot. That was uh, extremely kind and generous of you. I would not have gotten to go otherwise. So I appreciate it. I mean, my this audience, you guys have have shown me generosity in a lot of little ways, a lot of various different little ways over the years, whether it's Patreon, whether it's wanting to meet up and and get a burger at, at In-N-Out when you're in San Francisco, whatever, or just kind emails, tweets. I mean, it's uh, you're a very generous group of people, and I, I recognize that. The internet's not always that way, and I just appreciate your kindness, your generosity towards me. It's, uh, I try to say, I try to give it back. That's the thing. I gotta, you gotta, I gotta earn the, tr- the trust, earn the respect. And I do my best to do that week in and week out. So I'm blabbering now. It's been well over an hour. I gotta be respectful of your time and I gotta go to bed. So <laughs> happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.